When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Sleep, it seems so natural, yet it's often one of the most challenging parts of parenting. For babies between six months and a year, it's critical to their development and the parent's well-being. I'm Jen Varela, certified gentle sleep coach from Sugar Night Night, and today we're talking all about sleep for babies between six months and a year. This is Parent Savers, episode 96. Faster than a speeding toddler. Sit still for just a minute. Can soothe boo-boos with a gentle kiss. Did you get down from there? Able to clean poopy bottoms in a single swipe. Oh, what did you eat? Turning frazzled mommies and daddies into procreators of peace and harmony. Ah, quit touching me. It's Parent Savers, empowering new parents everywhere. Welcome, everybody, to Parent Savers, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Parent Savers is your weekly online, on-the-go support group for parents of newborns, infants, and toddlers. Thanks again to all of our loyal listeners who've joined the Parent Savers Club. All of our members get all of our archived episodes, bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts. You can subscribe to our monthly Parent Savers newsletter for a chance to win a membership to our club each month. Another way for you to stay connected is by downloading our free Parent Savers app, available in the Android and iTunes marketplace. That way you get all of our latest episodes right as they come. And of course, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and everywhere else Parent Savers is. I think we're on Pinterest, but we need to be updating it a bit more. Uh, before we talk about baby sleep solutions, let's uh, introduce everyone to everybody in the room. I'm your host, John O'Reel, and I have three boys, uh, a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a two-year-old, and I feel like they all stink at sleeping on some level, and so I always love talking about sleep, seeing like what we're doing wrong or maybe what we're doing right, so I, I always love talking about this topic. All right. Hi, I'm Colina. I am 25. I work in a call center, and I have one child, a son, and he is almost 10 months. And he's with us. We may he hear him. He is. <laughs> I'm Heather. I'm 27. I work for an online high school. I have one son, Lucas, who is eight and a half months. Um, and he's a decent sleeper. He's figuring out nighttime sleep, but his naps are horrible. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And I'm Erin Estevez, otherwise known as OG Mamacita. I am 44 as of last week. Oh, happy birthday! Happy birthday. You. You're <laughs> Um And I have one boy who is two and a half and just does not sleep. Except cool. when he's kicking That's us in the awesome. face. Or yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Jen is also our expert today. Yes, and I'm happy to be here. So I'm Jen Varela, and I'm a certified gentle sleep coach, and I have two children um gonna be nine in a couple weeks and ten nice. on a boy. and yeah. they're probably good sleepers now they are <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad i, I can so. say that <laughs> <laughs> when you bring your child home for the first time you want a baby monitor you can trust when you choose stork you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file.
before we jump into the conversation, uh, let's talk about a news headline. This is where we look at a recent story that we've seen on the news or online that would be of interest to parents and then kind of talk about it and give our perspective. And there's baby Adam. Can't wait. And this actually might be useful for him as well. So um, some Kansas City fathers created a safety wristband for kids that track their location. So three fathers from Kansas City. Um, this is from the Fox4KC.com, the Fox affiliate in Kansas City. Three fathers uh, from Kansas City have banded together to create KidSport, a GPS tracking wristband for kids. They came up with the idea two years ago during a family vacation they took as a group. One of their daughters actually went missing for two and a half hours on the beach, and the resort where they were staying required children to wear wristbands. And one of the fathers said, it's too bad there wasn't a tracking device in the wristband. So these wristbands are um, these big pieces of kind of oversized plastic uh, and within it, there's a tracker. And I don't know if you've ever used, like, Find My iPhone or anything, but you can just easily, I think, pop up on a map and see where they are. And I thought this was a really, really good idea. I think it's fantastic. I think it's 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 up there with, you know, safety belts. I really think it's one of the things that every parent should have access to, particularly if you're going in a crowded area like an amusement park or even just out and about your neighborhood. I think it's a great idea. I right. could see it being really useful, too. We actually just went to Japan for two and a half weeks with my family. Mm. Um, and granted, my son was six months old, so he wasn't walking off on his own. But I could imagine, had you gone with a toddler, to have the reassurance that you could pull this up on, on your phone or wherever and, right. and see him, especially in a country where you don't speak the language and you know some of these people don't yeah. speak your language, and just to have that reassurance that there's a way you can find him, even if you don't understand anything going on around you. But it is planning for this fraction of a percentage chance that something Absolutely. does go wrong. But I guess, but they're pretty cute, right? And kids, it's fun to put, you know, I don't know, uh, our four-year-old just got a rainbow loom. So oh, no. They'll put anything on their, on their wrists. And, Welcome and to addiction. Do it. Yeah, exactly. But so, I mean, these are cute, uh, cute. And at this point, we all have the tracking monitors, like, right in our yeah. pocket with our phones. I think 10 years ago. Yeah. This wouldn't even well, be possible. So I used to take, when we go to like Disneyland or whatever, right? I'd put, you know, our name, address, everything in the shoe of my kids. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, nice. you know, this is a much more effective way, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and especially if you do go to, like, if you're out here, you go to Disneyland or if you're in, you go to your local theme park a lot or someplace. It's easy. It can happen just like that. And even though nothing bad is happening, mm-hmm. they found they're with a park employee. Um, a lot faster, you know, I'm sure. You can too. find them a Less lot anxiety. faster. What did, does it say what the cost is? Uh, I don't think it says what the cost is, but I think we need to follow up with these guys and maybe that would be the deciding factor. Um, what would you pay for it? That's a great question. We're doing some market research. You see, I I have the price. I have the price, but I want to hear what you pay for. For me, it's up there with safety belts. I'm serious. And I don't know if it's just because I live in a, in a high, um, pedophile ratio neighborhood, but I'd pay 50 bucks. Yeah. 129 bucks is what it says I on the website. I would totally pay that. Um, but, you know, there also might be a way that you could rig something up yourself and do it as well. Because I think they, they sell, like, other little trackers. But anyway, like, great idea. I think these dads great. have an awesome idea. And we've got a link on the page. But, yeah, let's see if we can get some samples in here for some future episode. That would be pretty cool. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Today's topic on Parent Savers is sleep solutions for six, for babies six months old and up to a year. Today we're talking with Jen Varilla, who's a member of the International Association of Child Sleep Consultants and a certified gentle sleep coach. Did I get that right? You did. Nice. Thank you so much for joining us. So last time um, we you were here, we spoke about newborn sleep training, and we were really talking about uh, really young babies. And now let's talk about something that's kind of, I think, a bit more common of a concern. I think everyone kind of accepts that newborn sleeping kind of stinks, and it's how can they start dealing with it and we it, it was a really fun episode to record you should, everyone should go listen to it of course um but now six months to a year i think is when everyone really kind of gets into it and starts yeah. trying actually training and trying to see how they can control the sleep patterns true hoping yeah, yeah. hoping <laughs> right right <laughs> right so so kind of to talk about then what what do babies need to get a good yeah. night's sleep is yeah. kind of what you're leaning on so I, th- I think first of all the the most important thing is managing your expectations <laughs> Right. Because um, it doesn't all happen in one shot, typically. Um, And research shows that the ability to stretch their sleep is starting to form for sure at six months. Mm -hmm. But that may not coincide exactly with the parent's ideal stretch. Right. So most parents would like it to go from 10 to six. But often the good stretch happens from onset of bedtime till one. Right. So so maybe your baby is getting good stretches, but maybe just not in the time that you would like, right? Right. So managing your own expectations is a big part of that. But as far as just some key things that you can take a look at, you know, points, I would say one is make sure that their sleep cycle and rhythm is definitely matching the circadian rhythm of day and night, right? So you hope that, you know, know, when they're newborns, right, you have to expose them to light to make sure. But even still, at six months, make sure they're getting enough sunshine, right, so that they've got a good circadian rhythm going um tummy time is well, so do you think that like in their nursery they should have like a window that's open and lets in the morning what? light or like i think some people use blackout curtains yeah well so that is one of the things that i would suggest is that you do have a dark room okay for sleep and then in the morning i always like to do i call the dramatic wake up and you go in with a little song not to irritate them but just to indicate it's time to get up and open the window and that definitely all that light is important got it um so yeah but so you kind of control the light. I would I, I would recommend that. Okay. Yeah. I will tell you, my daughter does fine with a bright room, but my son has to have a dark room. So I also think there's a little temperament involved in mm-hmm. that, too, is what you need. So um, tummy time is super important, right? Because um, that helps with all the motor skills and all that stuff and, and helps with sleep. Tummy time during the day. Yes. Yes. Back to sleep. Right? Mm-hmm. Tummy to play. Um, preserving the nap. You know, there's this myth that um, if you skip a nap, your baby will sleep longer. That is a myth. Don't yeah. do it. It backfires. It's terrible. <laughs> right. we'll talk, and we'll talk a little more about that in naps, how okay, important cool. they are. But, but preserve the nap time. Um, 
Also, watching the daytime calories because sometimes they can reverse their eatings, especially when you think about the developmental milestone between four and five months. All of a sudden, they're eating a lot more at night, um, and then you kind of just get in that rhythm, and then all of a sudden, they're getting more calories at night, and now you've kind of got it swapped out. So you want to watch that they're really getting enough food during the day, mm-hmm. right, nutrition during the day. Um, we talked about a dark room. Uh, the temperature of the room should be somewhere between 68 and 74 degrees. So, um, and then you and, want, the, and no blankets or anything because they're just kind of sleeping in. I think it, it it's yeah. There's so many nice little sleepers and stuff. Why why run the risk right yeah. of having blankets and things like that in the crib? It's just with SIDS. It's just why do it right? right? Um, and then consider white noise. White noise is a great. Um, I used to not like white noise because you had to have these huge machines that you would. Ha- you know, what if you travel? It's inconvenient. Now you've got a dependency, but life has changed, mm-hmm. and now there's all these lovely little contraptions. So what I would say is the important part is that it goes all night long, and that it's in the low tones, no high pinging, right? And that it's um, that it's not going off and on. So. Uh, that's the important part. But it can help screen out um, sound for them, which is great. And if you think about it, it's kind of womb-like, and they talk about womb to room, right? And then establish a great routine. I think I, I explained that, like, if you told your toddler, okay, it's time to leave the park right now, what would they do? Wah! Right? Big, right. huge tantrum, right? Because they didn't get to say goodbye to the slide and the swing and the sand, right? Mm-hmm. For babies, you are their park right? So it's sometimes a big deal for them to say goodbye to you. So a routine is kind of like giving them that 10 minute warning, right? If you will, that, okay, the day's ending. And Mm -hmm. so it's a very important part. Yep. So those are some good tips on that. That was a ton of, (laughs) (laughs) sometimes I feel like we project what we would want for a good night's sleep onto the baby. And that's not necessarily the case. We want to maybe snuggle into a nice warm bed with a big fluffy pillow, but babies just need to lay down, go through the routine. They need different things mm-hmm. than uh, than the grownups do. And I think that's what you were talking about, measuring your expectations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Understanding what you can really expect and yes. achieve. I think that, and if anything out of this segment, I hope that there will be enough information that can just help normalize your experience. Because I think we do get really stressed about things should be happening now, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I just I just resigned myself quite early on to not <laughs> sleeping. You know, I figured I would never have the same kind of sleep that I used to have. And that eventually the kid will sleep through the night. But until then, I just have to take my antidepressants <laughs> and drink lots drink of coffee. Down to the ups. And I guess as a sleep coach, I'd have to say, oh, let's not resolve to completely accepting there'll be no sleep. Right. But I think there is that whole like, okay, there's a season, right? Yes. There's a season. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so you, I mean, you said you brought up the word normalized, mm-hmm. and that's actually, I mean, it's one of the, one of my frustrations always with having a baby or going to the doctor or talking to someone is you ask a specific question, mm-hmm. and the answer is always, well, certainly for some that's the case, but every child is different, yeah. um, and so obviously every child is different. For sure. But you, you talk about normalizing, and I mean, is it possible to talk about what a normal, what what a normal sleep pattern should look like? For sure. Yeah, definitely, and I think. To kind of recap just a little bit as far as how sleep works with 
before six months and then to six months. Um, at around three months is when you'll start to see some sleep become more predictable. And then at like four to five months, it all falls apart for a bit, right? And then we're like, oh, six months, here we are. Okay, we're gonna, like things are gonna get back to normal. And then they have a growth spurt, right? And so then, so, so I guess I wanna say that although at six months, you're gonna start to see some more stretches coming into place and their awake times will lengthen, like their ability to be awake, which is part of the whole cycle of sleep, right? Um, that nap organization does not typically happen until after six months, which I think is an expectation that everyone's like, well, how come I can only get my baby to sleep like 30 minutes or 45 minutes? Well, often it's it's even up until eight months that I see with my clients where finally they're starting to get a child that can give them an hour and a half sleep. So a couple of things that happen. One is the awake windows um, get longer, which mm-hmm. that they can stay awake. Another is that the nap organization will start to come into place. And then another one is often the aha moment for parents is when they when I talk with them and we talk about what time's the last nap and when are you you know whereas previously they might have been taking an evening nap right and then there's an awake period of time and then their bedtime's probably more like nine or ten right and then they just think oh well that's when their bedtime is and so then all of a sudden they start pushing through right well in actuality when you start seeing a baby fussy between six and nine at night you're probably waiting too long to put them to bed. You need to look at maybe more of a 7 a.m. wake up and a 7 p.m. bedtime. So you're looking at something between 6.30 and 7.30 is really when the beginning of night sleep starts. So often um, it's a tricky season where you, you don't really know where their bedtime is. And my suggestion is always start earlier. And that can solve a lot of problems with night awakenings and early rising because your baby could be sleep deprived because you're putting him to bed too late. That's what always blows my mind because logically you would think, oh, if they're super tired, if they're even more tired, they're going to sleep even more. But that's not at all what happened. Yeah. And if you miss their sleep window, so now you're hitting their second sleep window, which is then going to be that nine or whatever, cortisol is kicked in. And if cortisol kicks in and you're trying to put a baby down, and I've said this before, it's like you trying to go to sleep with four cups of coffee. And your system. I, I don't care. You can put all the pretty candles out and dim the lights and whatever. Yeah. But if your body's full of caffeine, you're not you're not going to sleep. Well, same thing with cortisol right. for them. The saving grace is maybe that sometimes they look up you with at you with that cute smile yes, and they give you a giggle, and you're like, I wish I was asleep, but you're adorable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Heather, are you on a nap schedule? Have naps worked themselves out yet? No, not yet. Um, my I'm a working mom, so my son's at daycare during the day, mm-hmm. um, and so. I actually struggle a little bit with naps, I think, more because of that. Um, I think if he were home with us, I would be much more um, adamant about, like, okay, you've been up for this long. Let's go ahead and go down for a nap. Or be able to, you know, read his sleep cues a little bit better and just know that he's ready for a nap. Um, I readily understand. They have, you know, four babies to one adult, so they do the best they can. But, you know, there's times that I pick him up at the end of the day and they're like, oh, he had a nap. He, He napped for an hour in the middle of the day. And I'm like, an hour all day like he's eight months old he woke up at one like what this is not gonna work um so he's on he's on somewhat of a loose schedule i'd say during the week when he's with um daycare he always gets one longer nap that's usually like an hour and a half to two hours somewhere in the middle of the day um and then occasionally he'll have like half hour 45 minute naps either one in the morning before that or one in the afternoon after that um 
when he's home with us on the weekends, he usually gets that one in the morning, a longer one in the middle of the day, and then one in the afternoon. He always gets those three. And, I mean, to me, it seems pretty typical. It's like, he looks tired. Let's put him down. But, you know, it's harder when you've got a lot more running around. You know, it's really great is is that um, you are taking the weekends to fill up his sleep tank is what I call it, right? Mm-hmm. So if we know during the week he's not getting enough, but then you can do that on the weekends. It's great. Sometimes the weekends are the hard time because you want to go out and be social and do that, you know. So I think you're being really wise in letting him catch back up. Mm-hmm. And our bodies will do that. And I often tell um, clients that even if you just take three days to make sure that they're getting enough sleep in a 24-hour, that that can resolve a lot of the cortisol stuff, that can resolve a lot of the night awakenings and early rising. Mm-hmm. So at least you have a system that's working yeah. with being a working parent. But it is, it's you know, it is a series of compromises, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's great. So you, you'd mentioned, I think, like an eight-hour window. And some of the you were talking about, like, how much should that big chunk be? How much sleep should babies be getting? Um, and you know, how about grown-ups? Like, mm-hmm. what, are we, what are we looking for um, with babies? So at six months, what's really interesting is that they're um, they're still probably taking three naps during the day. So in an ideal world, it would be what you talked about, an hour and a half in the morning, hour and a half in the afternoon, and then um, a 30-minute top-off. I kind of look at, like, you would maybe top them off with, you know, that last little bit of, you know, milk before bed, mm-hmm. kind of like sleep. Um and the key that I find is what ha- is happening is the distance between last nap and bedtime is usually needs to be under three hours. So it's not that that 30 minutes is restorative sleep as much as it is to help kind of top off so the cortisol doesn't kick in. So at six months, I find if you're at about the two and a half hour mark from last nap to bedtime, that seems to be about the sweet spot, especially if you're working on any training where you're wanting to deal with some behavioral pieces, right? And then what's fascinating is that between 9 and 12 months, so we're talking 6 to 12 months, Mm -hmm. that will begin to stretch to 4 hours. So then they start to have the ability to go um, closer to 4 hours between last nap and bedtime. And that's where you often see somewhere around 7 months, they'll drop that third nap. And that's that one like, oh, this is painful because sometimes they need third nap, sometimes they don't, right? And then... Um, you know, so sometimes you're moving your bedtime earlier and sometimes it's still getting to be. So you have to make that shift with them. Yeah. But that's the key is it's not so much the total amount of sleep they need, but but their ability on wake times. So they still need between, I always like to say 14 is like the ideal spot, but okay. it, it does. Cumulative. Yes. Right. So three and a half during the night. So that means that at night they're probably giving you 11. I get a lot of a lot of calls where I talk to families that they're like, you know, I really want them to sleep from 7 to 7. I'm like, oh, that's probably not realistic. You know, 11 hours is is probably the more the average of what you're going to get. Right. So so we're looking at 14 hours would be the, the dream sweet spot, right? In there somewhere, three and a half hours total combined nap. Distance between last nap and bedtime at six months is going to be under three hours. Closer to 12 months, it's going to be under four hours. Okay. And and then for adults, you were saying, yeah, what's yeah, the I difference mean, for adults? Right. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys saw the um, Good Morning America um, segment on short sleepers. It was on yesterday. It was hilarious. Oh, wow. um, that there's, they showed a segment on the dad and a mom. I'm sorry, a dad and a daughter and how they only need like four hours sleep. And that's what they've done their whole life. And they don't ever yawn and they're never tired. And they call them short sleepers. And there is a a DNA component to this in the sense that their brain 
um, condenses uh, the sleep cycles. And so they don't need as much sleep. It's fascinating. So have I run into that with um, the families I work with? There was one conversation I had with a mom once who was like, we went through everything that she was doing, right? And she said, yeah, and I just can't get my baby to sleep more than 10 hours in a 24-hour. And we get to end the conversation, and she says, yeah, and I only need, you know, between four and five hours of sleep a night. And I went, could we have talked about that first (laughs) (laughs) right so i do think there is some dna but as far as averages go um averages of seven or eight that they you know adults need at night five is considered the minimum i've i've heard talks about postpartum depression where it's like you have to have at least five hours otherwise you're sliding down that slippery slope in a whole nother level so um and then it can be up to 10 hours i will tell you i've become obsessed with my own sleep and figuring out where's my sweet spot and it's kind of embarrassing i need nine hours of sleep a night and um to be at my best and i feel like as a as a sleep coach, you think I'd be excited about that, but I feel like, oh, it's such a waste of time, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> like, FOMO rears its ugly head again. Yeah. Right? So, um, so I think that's really interesting. And if you are sleep deprived, your body is going to crave for you to fill it back up. And that's the neat part. You can fill your sleep tank back up. Um, and so that's something nice. to be aware of. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, I mean, it's, so there's a ton of stuff to talk about. Oh, still. yeah. Um, but it's interesting because a lot of even what you're talking about is parents saying they want seven to seven. And so I think there's this battle between controlling the sleep yep. and then giving kids what they need and then maybe finding And what their body actually can do. Right. Right. And so I think in finding the medium, there's a lot of methods. So let's take mm-hmm. a quick break. Um, I know the cry it out method is a popular one. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that um, and some of these other factors that are going to affect how babies are sleeping as well. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back, everybody. Today, we're talking about sleep solutions for six-month-olds to one-year-olds with Jen Varela. Um, So let's talk about something I think that a lot of parents face uh, during this time, which is either pressure, interest, or curiosity, or doing the cry it out method. Um, This is an age where a lot of people, I think, start it. Um, So what do you guys think of crying it out or, you know? Yes, I'm going to do the panel, and I'll (laughs) I'll jump in after you guys. Yeah. Uh Uh-oh. Can't do it. I can't do it. That's how we feel, too. The research I've done... Um, articles and studies I've seen, um, things from emotional damage to physical brain pro- like damage, killing brain cells because they're not breathing because they're crying so hard. Right. It's just not something that I would even want to risk. Right. I mean, there's so many things we don't do because of little tiny risks. Why would you risk something like your emotional you know, and physical yeah. health of your child? Well, and I think the argument then is that, oh, well, you do it now and they don't really remember i'm not people i mean that's how people either justify it or the reason they do it is they need to fit it into their schedule and what they need 
And so they, I think, say, well, it's still just a young brain that they're not going to remember it. So I think you also now. get to the point, if you've had sleep struggles, you get to the point where you're like, I nothing else has worked. <laughs> right. I've been doing this for months. Like, fine, I'm going to try it. Yeah. And we got to that point and we tried it for... Did you? What was it? Three nights? And um, he is not a cry it out kid. There were literally full hours of crying. There was Gosh. no break. There was nothing. And I actually had contacted Jen, funny enough. We'd been in contact at that point. And um, luckily she was able to tell me some kids just, they don't respond well to that. Every kid kind of has their right. own thing that works for them. Um, and we were doing it at the same time, of course, as, you know, our best friends. And their kid cried it out, went right to sleep, and no big deal. And so you're like, it works for them. Why doesn't it work for me? But it doesn't work for everybody. It's so interesting when you bring up the concepts of sleep training, right? Because there's lots of camps. <laughs> like, oh, they cry out, this is the only solution. No, fading is the only solution. Or no, never train, right? And um, so I think, I think you gotta, you got to call it what it is in, in the sense that does it work? Yes, statistically. There is a high percentage that works for it. Does it work for everyone? No. And what is the key thing that I find? Temperament. Temperament is a huge piece of all that. Now, do I do cry it out in my practice? I don't because I think there's so many other things you can exhaust. Um, but you have to look at why, why does cry it out work, right? Cry it out works because you're giving them a consistent answer to their question. And what is their question? Are you going to help me to sleep? And so what is the answer to cry it out? Um, you're going to work it out on your own and I'll be back in the morning, right? True cry it out. So if you think about... Um, there's this thing called the extinction burst, which um, if you will give your child a consistent answer for three days to their question, they maybe at first will push back pretty like, what, you know, not liking it, and then they will resolve. I don't know when that stops working, but I'm really glad it's still working on my nine and 10 year old. <laughs> so, um, so if you look at what is the question they're asking, so if you have things that they're doing that they need in order to fall asleep, well, maybe you could look at doing um, Let's say, let's say, uh, you know, they need a lot of movement, right, to fall asleep. Well, why not, instead of going cold turkey and going, okay, we're going to take away movement, nursing, holding, padding, right, shushing, all that stuff. What if you just, you move for 45 seconds, you stop for 10 seconds. You move for 45 seconds, you stop for 20 seconds. And that's your answer to the question for three days. Well, you will now have a baby. If you continue to stretch them in their tolerance of no movement, you're going to have a baby who can fall asleep without movement. Done. One crutch. Then let's take a look at the next one. So you can see why cry it out works is because it's a consistent answer to their question. If it is going to work, it will happen within three to five days, and the crying should become less and less and less. If the crying is not becoming less, it is not working. Yeah. And you need to step away and catch your breath and and revisit if that's the right. right fit for the temperament of your child. And I think that's it, remembering that each child is different and it may not work for some. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. trying to fit the square peg mm -hmm. into the round hole. So, And I get it. Is. Gosh, if in three days you could be done compared to some of the work I have to do with some families, sure, right? Wouldn't it be nice, right? Mm -hmm. So I guess I would say I'm not judging as much as I – but I, I don't do it, and I really like to try and see if there's other methods. Does it work? Yes, it can work for a large percentage. Nice. 
shifting gears a little bit, um, when babies are sleeping, um, actually it was um, Jamel Ryan, and she's been on here before. We were talking about some sleep issues, um, and she had brought up that a lot of times that maybe what she thinks her theory of what's happening with her young child is that the baby's dreaming about some stuff that they had gone through, mm-hmm. and th- and that's either waking them up and they're excited, or that mm-hmm. that's really affecting the sleep. And it's and I mean almost in a positive way that they're mm-hmm. having these dreams. So what do you what about mm-hmm. are they, are they dreaming? Yes, in fact, um, there's this great article that came out by Dr. Alan Green, um, and it talks about uh, the truth about dreams, nightmares, and night terrors. And um, so dreams happen during REM sleep. There's a memory-related theories about um, REM sleep is when you're consolidating uh, all the information into long-term memory, right? So when um, there was a study done but in 1966, um, and it's in a book called The Promise of Sleep, where they were setting out to, to show that, that babies don't dream. And in the end, they found out that actually, <laughs> they actually, um, this is what was a startling discovery, they actually dream more um, as newborn infants than you do as college students. And, um, and so another part, that, so they dream more in the first two weeks than at any other time. And it's the visual part of the brain is more active during newborn REM sleep than any adult sleep. So um, they actually, you know, if you think about their experience of coming out of the womb, right? Oh my gosh, that is a lot of information to, to log in, right? So actually, um, I just found that fascinating yeah. that, um, that they actually dream more. Well, see, I love thinking about this stuff because it would actually make a lot of sense mm-hmm. that the only reason we dream as adults is because it's left over is the way that we developed as babies that, you know, they're, that's how they're learning and going through their world. You know, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of questions about people don't understand fully what dreams are or what's Yeah, I'm fascinated happening. by yeah. it. I'm, I'm, so. I'm completely perplexed by the idea that newborns dream more. I mean, it just blows my mind. I know, Because like, right? then what do they what dream are they about? processing, yeah. yeah. They what? dream about that time they were born. And I know. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, <laughs> all the light. they were in the right. womb. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and getting to know you as the parents and touch and, you know, I mean, yeah. there's a lot to log, right? Isn't and it? but so but so then the six month to twelve month olds are doing it too. But really, it's almost a diminished right. from this but study. That the, yeah, so infants from three to five months dream much more than six to twelve month olds. Interesting. Mm. Yep, that's really interesting. Yeah, so I I love that article. So you nice. should look it up. Thanks so much for joining us today, and thanks so much for listening, everybody. For more information about Baby Sleep Solutions or Sugar Night Night or any of our panelists, visit the episode page on our website, parentsavers.com. We'll actually continue the conversation for members of our Parent Savers Club after the show. We're going to talk a little more about falling asleep in carriers. There's actually been some tragic stories that have um, come out recently about happening, but it's also something I know that happens a lot with kids, too, is they fall asleep and parents don't know what to do. So we'll talk about that in our bonus segment for members of our Parent Savers Club. Uh, if you would like information about that or want to join, visit parentsavers.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. As we near the end of today's show, here's Detective Damian Jackson with some great ways to better protect our children. Hey, Parent Savers, this is Detective Damian Jackson with the Escondido Police Department's Family Protection Unit, 
and the Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force here in San Diego, California. As part of the Escondido Police Department's ongoing series of community outreach education to help families enhance their personal safety, I'm here today to talk to you about Facebook security settings. In today's technology-driven world, it's never been easier to stay connected with friends and family across the globe. On the flip side of that same technology, it's never been easier to be victimized by strangers that wish to do you and your family harm. The good news is that with a little bit of proactive action on your part, you can easily prevent your family from being the next target. Like most people, I've got a Facebook account to share news and events with friends and family over a common network. Just last night, I was reading some comments on a friend's posting and came across a person I don't even know and have never even met in my life that, because of his Facebook settings, provided me with almost every detail of his life, including each person's name and his family, including his wife, his children, where he works, pictures of his kids, his wife, his home, his car, and his personal stance on just about every issue under the sun. The point of this is, he has no clue who I am either, but I know more about him in less than a minute than it would take one of his friends or coworkers several months or more to get. That, my friends, is extremely dangerous. Look at it this way. Would you post all of that same information on the sides and back of your car and drive around all over the place on a daily basis with your personal and family information out in the open for all to see? Of course not. But then again, at least that would keep your personal information available only in the areas you drive, right? Well, unfiltered Facebook settings provide your information to the entire world. Think about it. There are lots of resources and easy tutorials available online to walk you through filtering your settings. Take those few minutes to secure your information, protect your family, and enjoy Facebook as it was meant to be, between only those you know and trust. For more information on how you can keep your family safe, visit us on Facebook or Twitter at forward slash Escondido Police. With the Escondido Police Department and the San Diego Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force, I'm Detective Damian Jackson reminding you and your family to be smart and be safe. That wraps up today's show. Thanks you so much for listening to Parent Savers. Don't forget to check out our sister shows, Preggy Pals for Expecting Parents, The Boob Group for Moms Who Breastfeed Their Babies, and Twin Talks for Parents of Multiples. Next week on Parent Savers, we're going to be talking about play date etiquette, uh, kind of the do's and don'ts and how to set them up and some uh, interesting conversations. It's, we already got a lot of great feedback on social media from that. Uh, this is Parent Savers. Thanks for joining us. Empowering new parents. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.